The scripture readings for today come from Proverbs and James. You can follow along in your Bibles or your worship guide on page 7. Um, so first we'll look at Proverbs 17, verse 27, through chapter 18, verse 7. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. When wickedness comes, contempt comes also, and with dishonor comes disgrace. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. It is not good to be partial to the wicked or to deprive the righteous of justice. A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. And now from James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, a reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does the spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true and given to us in love. Good morning. I'll tell you what, that James passage, all you need to do is just read that thing and we could just all go home at some level. Um, shoo, on, on the power of the tongue. Well, my name's Andy, and uh, I'm thankful and blessed to be a part of the preaching team here at Hope Chapel. Um, if you haven't met me yet, uh, I have, I'm not on staff here at Hope Chapel. Um, I work with a ministry called Families Alive, uh, which I seek to come alongside churches and families to help them grow in discipling the next generation. Uh, so that's my main ministry call. Uh, so I'm a pastor. Uh, but I'm not on staff here, and my family worships here, and I love being a part of this church family with you all. Well, everyone likes a good origin story, right? Um, an origin story helps us to understand a character better, right? If we know where they came from, what happened to them a long time ago, and then that helps us to better understand why they do what they do now, right? It gives us perspective on that character. Uh, it endears us to them at some level, right? Uh, helps us to feel like there's an investment there with that character. Well, uh, in, in that same way, like 
if you think about Captain America, for instance, right? You, uh, you have somebody where if you didn't know the fact that he came from the 1930s and 40s and that he fought in World War II, then the way he talks and the way he acts and how he leads now wouldn't really make much sense to you. You'd be like, where'd this guy come from? You know, what's he doing, right? So origin stories help us out to understand and give background and help us to know how to proceed forward with something. Well, here's the origin story of words, okay, and of speaking. If you remember in Genesis 1 through 3, God spoke things into existence through words. And isn't this awesome about God? He can call things into existence that weren't there before. I love that. Not only in creation, but where we once had a hard heart made of stone, he can call into existence a heart of flesh and life that responds and loves him. He, creates, he created humans in his image, and he gives them the ability to speak. Remember, Adam names all the animals, right? And when Adam sees Eve, he proclaims that, I mean, essentially, he proclaims she is awesome. <laughs> and it's kind of in a poetic sort of way. So the Lord gives Adam words and Eve words and language. God is the originator of words and language. Since he created them, he knows what is wise and best and how to use them. Now, unfortunately, in that origin story, Satan comes to Eve and twists the good words of God, doesn't he? So he takes what was good and he twists it into something, something else. And she, in turn, begins to doubt God's good words, even in her attempts to correct Satan. So she tries to correct Satan, but she kind of ends up getting him a little messed up, and she begins to doubt God's good words. So Adam and Eve, in the end, end up trusting the words of a deceiver. And after they eat the fruit, Adam and Eve twist the truth in order to deflect responsibility of their sin, don't they? So with their words, they tell lies, they twist things in order to deflect the responsibility. Anybody ever done that before? So that origin story is the backdrop to this morning and what we're looking at and to our life in terms of how we think about our words. So we're going to be reminded this morning of the power of the tongue and the blessings and curses of the tongue. Let's pray together. Lord, you are God, and we are not. Lord, uh, all wisdom and knowledge sit with you. You created all wisdom and knowledge. So Lord, help us to submit to you in all things. Help us to uh, love that all wisdom and knowledge sits with you. And we pray for your help in that with our words this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So first, the power of the tongue. Some good reminders here. Uh, in Proverbs 18, 
we see that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And then we see in our, in our James passage that was read some similar things. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. So something so small, but that it does boast of so many great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Man. I mean, this is really letting us know the power that is behind the tongue, and you and I rarely give it the due it has. We rarely seek the Lord in this way to say, Lord, help me to tame my tongue. Because there's so much power behind it. I mean, just that phrase, the entire course of life is affected by it. The entire course of life. I know that some of you can think back to your life and you can see the accumulation, maybe by a single person, of words that has set the course of your mind and heart at some level. Maybe that's good. Maybe you have great examples of someone who was an encourager to you for so many years, and that has set a course in your mind and heart. And maybe you've had someone that has just torn you down, and that has set a course in your mind and heart. We need to seek the Lord about these things for His help to, of how to wrestle with how people have treated us, right? And also we need to seek the Lord to have a greater weight of understanding and appreciation for how our tongue is used to set the course of someone's life. Our coworkers, our children, our spouses. And then it says, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. So you see that the tongue is this great object of, of hypocrisy at some level, isn't it? That we praise God. We, I mean, even here this morning, like, okay, Andy, you're going to be a downer here, right? Um, we came here, we came here to worship the Lord. We're singing to the Lord. We're saying good things to the Lord. And at the same time, there's a good chance that some of us later on today are going to say something to somebody that is cursing someone in the likeness of God. It's a great object of hypocrisy. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. Now, as far as in the Proverbs, and, and Harrison did a really good job of setting us up for this last week, the Proverbs put things, puts things in some categories and some paths for us. If you remember, he, he described kind of four different paths that the Proverbs set out for us in terms of seeking wisdom in all things. But here's, here's some uh, reminders of some definitions that he gave that I thought he worded so well. So remember, the, the Proverbs talks about the simple. The first path is the path of the simple or the naive. In Proverbs, a person on the simple path doesn't actually consider the path he or she walks at all. They don't take time to think deeply about the questions of life. They want to have fun, to feel good, and to fit in, and go with the flow. So they are moldable. They believe 
they believe everything most people say. They aren't discerning. They might have a philosophy of life pieced together from a bunch of different bumper sticker philosophies, some nice, simple slogans, maybe that they even saw on Facebook. So there's the power of the tongue working through someone who's simple. Then there's the fool. The person on the path of a fool is best described as a stubborn idiot. He thinks he is really wise. He is sure he's almost always right, but everyone else knows he's wrong most of the time. But no one can tell him anything different. So there's power of the tongue through a fool. Then there's the scoffer. The last path is the path of the scoffer. The person on this path is the intentionally wicked person, the wolf in sheep's clothing. Unlike the fool or the simple, the scoffer ponders his path. He calculates it in his heart, and he unashamedly chooses evil. He plans out sin way ahead of time. So there's the power of the tongue through the scoffer. But then the the Proverbs sets us on a course for the wise. If you remember in Proverbs 1, here's what it says. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. And here's what she says. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long, scoffers, Will you delight in your scoffing? And how long, fools, will you hate knowledge? So wisdom cries out and calls out to all three of those people. And then here's what wisdom says. If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. So there's some hope in there, right? For all three of those categories of people. And none of you may fit in one of those in particular because if we're honest as we go through some of these things, we're going to find that there's elements of us that can be scoffers at times, elements of us that can be fools, and elements of us that can be simple. But there's the hope in that when we turn to the Lord and ask for help, when we turn to Christ and put our faith and trust in Him, that wisdom God will pour out His Spirit on us. And we will be able to be wise. We will be able to be discerning. We will be able to be more like Jesus. So those things in Proverbs, they they remind us that there's a lot hanging on the path of how we walk in wisdom using our tongue. And there's that sense, there's that call, there's that challenge of how much longer are you and I going to be stubborn against God's counsel of how to use our tongues. How much longer? How much longer are we going to do it? Well, here's some blessings and curses of the tongue, some reminders from Proverbs. And what's really important before we get into this section is a couple of reminders. Uh, We see this in the Proverbs. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. And kind of connected to that is what Jesus says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's a huge one for us. Because what comes out here, it's not like it's just kind of a 
random thing, or even we could say something that we say something impulsive that comes out as if it's attached to nothing. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So things that go on in here are what determine what comes out of here. Even if we lie and make it seem like we're saying something nice here, there's still something going on in here that would then make us say something of a lie out here. So we need to be very discerning with our hearts, and we need to ask the Lord for help for that. So blessings and curses of the tongue. First, the Proverbs spend a lot of time, a lot of time, in talking about truthfulness and honesty with our tongues. Here's a few examples. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who breathes out lies will not escape. And later on in Proverbs 19, it says the same beginning, and then it says, he who breathes out lies will perish. In chapter 24, it says, Who gives, whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. What a great one. It's a blessing to the person uh, that we give an honest answer. Then again in 20, chapter 24, it says, Be not a witness against your neighbor without cause, and do not deceive with your lips. Now, a lot of times when we think about honesty and truth, we tend to think of the big obvious lies, like we just want to avoid those things. And we're not as uh, cognizant of the, the smaller things, the more nuanced things that we do. So, if we're, if we're a people pleaser, uh, then that means we're going to want to do things and twist things and manipulate things in order to please people so that they'll like us, right? So sometimes we'll add to the truth. Sometimes we'll subtract from it in order to gain the affections of people, the, the liking of people, or even just to avoid trouble, right? To avoid consequence, we subtract from the truth, we add to it, we'll exaggerate things, we'll manipulate people to get them to do something for us, maybe manipulate people with uh, our feelings and how we express them, maybe manipulate people with arguments in order to get them to do something that we want them to do. And when you think about it, that's like the, the, the seeking to manipulate people, even though it may happen in a second. Like what's going on in our heart here is like we want them to do what we want them to do or we don't want this thing to be quite as hard as what uh, we feel like it's going to be unless this person does something that we want them to do. And so in a split second, we'll, we'll do something, we'll say something, we'll give a tone to something that will try to manipulate someone into doing that. And even though it may not sound like the scoffer who will plan something weeks in advance in order to sin on purpose, there's a sense in which we are like a scoffer because we are planning something in here in order to get something out here in the world and then use our mouth to do it. So we can be like scoffers even in an instant. We can be a fool in an instant and it's all flowing out of here. And all of those things have to do with being dishonest and twisting the truth. 
A lot of my early years of growing up was filled with struggling in this area. I wanted people to think well of me. Uh, I was a people pleaser. Um, I wanted my teachers to think well of me. I wanted my parents to think well of me. I wanted the people around me, my friends, to think well of me. Uh, to think I was cool, to think, I, I mean, whatever the list is, right? And a lot of times, I would just tell flat-out lies in order to gain something from people. And then sometimes I would tell little things, twisting things, exaggerating them. There was uh, a lot of things surrounded my schoolwork <laughs> and not wanting to do schoolwork, but then lying about accomplishing it or doing it, lying about grades, lying, you know, because I either didn't want to get in trouble or I wanted people to think better of me. I remember one time uh, there was this big reading project that I had to do, and you had to um, meet with the teacher and talk about these different chapters you had to read in a book, and then she had to mark her initials that she met with you. I marked the initials. I forged her little initials on there so that I wouldn't have to do the reading. And in some level, I was like getting behind in work, and so I felt, but still... So I was using the manipulated written word uh, to get what I wanted, to not feel the consequences of that. And she called me out into the hall one day, and she said, these aren't my initials. And I even tried in that moment, and I said, yes, they are. <laughs> she said, no, they're not. And after she pressed me a couple times, I knew that there was no way I could get out of that one. And now I remember another time where I had uh, lied to my dad about why I didn't complete this project. I remember there was a school function where uh, we were like up front, like the students were up front and parents and teachers and everybody were out in the crowd. And I remember my dad, uh, I could see him talking to my teacher and immediately anxiety kind of rose up in me because I'm thinking, He's probably, or he might be at least, talking to her about what I told him about that project. And he had. And that's part of, that just reminded me, that's part of, like, the, telling the truth isn't just a gift and a blessing, as the Proverbs tell us, to the hearer. It's a gift and a blessing to us. Because as I'm sitting there looking at my dad talking to that teacher, I am then carrying anxiety and burdens I am not meant to carry. I'm seeing the fruit of my lie play out, and I have to carry something that I'm not meant to carry. And it restrains me and restricts me, and it makes me a slave. So... We should seek the truth and love telling the truth so that we're not piling up even lots of exaggerations or lots of manipulations or the, the smaller things or whatever. They're still a piling up. Boy, that is a weight that we aren't meant to carry and that causes slavery to us. Another theme in Proverbs that's really clear is reckless speech. 
Here's a couple of examples in Proverbs 18. If one gives an answer before, the, before he hears it, it is folly and shame. A fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. Isn't that a funny one? Sometimes you're watching something play out at a restaurant or something like that and you're hearing somebody talk really poorly uh, to somebody else and you're like, man, if that guy keeps talking, somebody's going to punch him. You know what I mean? I mean, that's what, that guy is talking foolishly, right? Something's going to happen here. So the recklessness of our speech is a huge thing to be praying and seeking the Lord about. In James 1, it says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. And a lot of times we get those words mixed up. Slow to listen, quick to speak, quick to anger. And these things, you know, our recklessness in our speech, this isn't just about, you know, let's, let's avoid these seven cuss words that exist in the world, right? Or let's avoid gossip, let's avoid slander, and we shouldn't yell at people. Like as long as, you know, it's kind of like the, the main things that we try to avoid or whatever and think then that we're, we're okay and justified in that. And those things, obviously, we want to avoid for the sake of goodness and purity in our life and seeking to honor the Lord and love others and bless them. But it also matters about our tone and our countenance with people. And tone and countenance, while we deliver words, also flows out of here. <laughs> right? If we're grumping and complaining in here, what do you think is going to come out on our face? And while we say something. If we're anxious in here, if we're mad and we're carrying around a lot, a lot of anger that we've been able to filter for a while maybe and kind of keep it under control in general for the most part, but if that's going on in here, what do you think is going to come out on here? So our tone and our countenance. So these smaller things are easy to brush to the side but they still require a lot of wisdom and we still need to seek the Lord about them, not just the big things on the checklist. And one thing that I've been so thankful for the Lord helping uh, Jody and I in, in terms of understanding each other's speech and avoiding recklessness at some level or understanding recklessness or the lack of recklessness in, in one another, Jody is a, is a verbal processor, Okay. And I am, I, I have a, a filter, it takes me longer to say what I'm going to say, okay? Which, you know, is hard for her because she has to wait, wait for me, because I'm kind of like thinking through things and before it comes out. And she's, she's bringing me along for the processing ride, okay, while she's talking. And um, one of the ways that this has been hard to understand in, in, in over the past our, our marriage, has been because I'm a processor and because I, I take things through my, my mind before I kind of give a final conclusion out here, um, I assume that then what she says, that she's taken me for along the ride of processing, that she's come to the conclusion already. <laughs> okay? 
So for the longest time, when she would say things, I'd be like, I, I would just think to myself, is this, is this the final conclusion of what, this is the conclusion she's coming to, you know? And I, you know, I would have a hard time with that. I'd be like, what is, what is going on here? Um, and one, I mean, she's so wise. The Lord has given her so much wisdom. She, she picked up on that as we just kind of kept, you know, not misunderstanding each other. And, and so now one of the things that she says that's so wise is, hey, I'm just talking about what I'm thinking right now. Uh, I'm, um, this isn't where I want to be right now. This isn't where I want to be in the end. I'm just describing to you where I'm at. And that's been very helpful for me. So she has been very wise. So if you're someone like that, there's a sense in which you have to be wise about yourself and how you speak words. And so it might be that you need to give a kind of preemptive thing. Hey, what I'm about to say is me processing this. And then for, for me, one of the things I need to understand, like I need to get better at speeding up what I say or bringing Jody and others along maybe I maybe need to process a little bit more outside so that I can honor that they want to hear that I'm thinking through something and I also need to understand this is something I've understood because I think through what I say before it comes out that then when I say something that's harsh then my kids and my wife they take that as a greater weight because they know that I process. So that if something, by the time it comes out and it has a harshness to it or even if it has a blessing to it, that there's this, it carries more weight. And so if you're someone like that, the Lord has wired you like that, you have to understand that might be how people are reading you and hearing you. So we need to seek the Lord about our words and about the words of others. And this will cut down on recklessness with our words. Like I need to understand that when I say something to my kids, to my wife, to other people who know me well, that it's going to carry more weight. And so I, I need, maybe not necessarily, then I, the, the answer is not, Oh, I need to add one more layer of filter to make it come out even slower. It's more, Lord, help me in these places of harshness in my heart. That's where I need help. The Proverbs also tell us to love wise words from others. And ultimately, the words that come from the Lord. We should love these words, and we should love words that match these words from people. Those are the words we should love the most. The words that match the words that come from here. And in Proverbs 23, it says, Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to words of knowledge. Listen carefully to them. Apply them to your life. Apply these words to your life. Pursue after these words. We should be intentionally pursuing these words. We're very careless and very unthoughtful about pursuing after these words a lot of times. Because if we pursue after them and we intentionally go after them, then what do you think is going to happen in here? There's going to be more goodness and light in here 
which means then there's going to be more goodness and light coming out of here. So intentionally making God's good words a part of our life and the good words from other people. We should not be taking in the words from fools and scoffers in the simple. Even if they're, they're making an attack on us and criticizing us, we should know from whom the, they're coming. We should know the source, right? We should know the source because then we know how to weigh them in here. So we shouldn't take those words in. Now, this is really big for us. How we take in the words from fools, scoffers, and simple. I mean, I'm just going to, let's be honest, brothers and sisters, about our culture and about the, the devices and the things that we have before us. If we are taking in tons and tons of scrolling, of words that make light of life too much, even the harshest and hardest things of life, just if your scroll feed, if your feed is just lots of making light of things, making fun of things, and that's what you're seeing over and over and over and over and over again, don't think that it's not doing something in here that will affect here. If you're seeing something, if you're seeing uh, language and hearing and watching and seeing stories on a screen play out before you where people are using language and worldviews and all kinds of things that are going to just, you just keep taking it in, don't think that it's not going to affect here. And don't think that it's not going to come out of here. The more we take that stuff in and the more we let that just come and rest on our minds and our hearts, something's going to happen in life in a given day that's going to push you on in a button. It's going to push you somewhere where you're anxious, where you're upset, where something's inconvenient. And all the stuff that you've been feeding into yourself, all the stuff that we just take in, is going to come out. There's no doubt about that. Sooner or later, it's going to come flowing out. So we need to be very cognizant of the examples of language and of words that we put in front of us so that then what's going on in here will be good and what comes out of here will be good. Lastly, and this is the most important thing, right? And this is the thing that will guide us the most, is to remember how the Lord has spoken to us. Remember that he, remember what we say when this is read every Sunday, right? Absolutely true and given to us in love. The Lord has spoken to us through his word. He has spoken to us through Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus came to share his gospel with us, a word, a message, and he came to share his life with us. So he speaks through his life and who he is and what he came to do. And remember back to the origin story, right? After everything happened with Adam and Eve and the Lord puts a curse on Satan and he says, here's what's going to happen to the one who is the deceiver and the accuser of my people. The seed of the woman, this is the first prophecy of Christ in the Bible, the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. So a death blow will be dealt to the accuser and the deceiver. 
And that's Jesus Christ coming to die for us. That is how he has spoken to us. And he has called us, called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Has he not? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your kindness and your grace and mercy to us. Please help us to love your wisdom and your words above all others. Holy Spirit, please do that great work in us. In your powerful name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.